Welcome, 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 <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, everybody in between. This is Featureless Vampire Podcast. Okay, uh, not a typical intro because um, we recorded, uh, me, Donna, and Ethan recorded an episode talking about uh, a, a fan edit called Love and Mercy. And uh, technical oversight on our part left it such that the recording, not the best in the world. We thought we, we had mics and we were using mics, but it wasn't going, we were actually recording through our processor and whatnot. And we kind of debated back and forth whether we wanted to share this with you. Uh, we're sort of raising our standards of what uh, we're going to be presenting uh, from an audio perspective. And quite frankly, it doesn't quite match up with uh, what we want to actually release. However, we felt that the uh, content was pretty strong. Um, we felt that uh, re-reviewing um, the movie would uh, lose some of the spontaneity of the conversation that we had. Um, and uh, we felt that uh, we're going to go ahead and share with you what we did record. So if you um, adjust your stereos, you might need to turn it up a little bit to catch uh, all, everything we're hearing just saying in, our, uh, in, our, in this episode. Uh, but um, this is your official warning. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening, guys. Are you shitting me? Yeah, I didn't record it. Can you, can you do the intro? <laughs> Tell me you're joking. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you were joking, right? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, everybody in between. This is Feature This, a fan edit podcast. We come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me. Around Nassau town, we did run. Drinking all night. Got into a fight. Well, I feel so broken. And today, uh, okay, I'm joined with uh, old friends of mine, Donna Bourgeois. Hey. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. You need to stop doing a line of coke before we do these <laughs> things because it's like killing everybody. And Ethan, the Busey Busey Miller. Uh, hello. Hi. Both of you guys. Uh, <laughs> so they just woke up yeah. and decided to throw a microphone in their faces so we can get an episode down. It sounds good. Yeah. Um, we're doing a, I feel like I said this before, so everything, there is no difference anymore. Everything is uh, experimental now with this show. We're kind of moving along, bringing format uh, on pretty much every episode that's coming out now, so this is uh, in, in keeping with that. Um, this is the first time I think I'm doing an episode where I have not seen the original. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Both of y'all are kind of, yeah. uh, y'all are going to be kind of taking that part of the 
conversation and kind of helping me kind of figure out what I what I didn't get a chance to see and how to find out how this edit unfolded because I got to experience this movie um, as the edit only. And uh, what we're talking about here is the fan edit of a film called Love and Mercy. Um, with an ampersand. Yeah, yeah with the ampersand. You try yeah. to search with the hand, you'll find nothing but, I guess, the song and not necessarily the movie. Um, this, uh, as a quick, um, you know, you know, bringing people up to speed what this movie is, uh, I guess it came out last year, maybe? Is that, is that, yeah, is that recent? It came out in 2014, but the wide theatrical release was in 2015. 2015, okay, so. And those are the facts. Yeah, <laughs> those are the facts, Jeff, just the facts. Um, this movie is, uh, I guess you'd call it a biopic of a, uh, one of the Beach Boys, uh, I guess you could say the genius behind the Beach Boys. One of the, yeah, boy. <laughs> One of the beachy boys. Of the beachy boys. Uh, named yeah. Brian Wilson. And uh, y'all help me, like I said, y'all help me with this a little okay. bit. Because the, uh, my understanding is that the original is actually, um, is, is the narrative is sort of bifurcated into two stories. You have the yeah. young Brian Wilson, Wilson uh -huh. uh, making the early uh, albums of the Beach Boys. And then uh -huh. we have an old Brian Wilson. A young one played by Paul Dano, old one played by John Cusack. Yeah. Yeah, it's 60s Brian Wilson is Dano, and mm -hmm. Cusack is 80s Brian Wilson. Correct. Right. This fan edit, uh, made by Take Me To Your Cinema, or TMY2C, is uh, an edit of the film that just covers the Paul Dano side of the story, just the early 60s just the making of pet sounds and some of smile which is a great segue into why we're doing this because um you guys have a little bit more expertise into this field and interest into uh the the brian williams brian williams yeah it's a newscaster uh brian wilson so um catch me up a little bit like you um like, you guys know... Okay, let me ask you this. Let me pull back <laughs> I'm just going to leave you hanging. Just, just, yeah, yeah. run face first into the uh, dead I air. like this. Yeah. 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 Um, I, like, I like watching your square. You, you guys watched Love and Mercy, the original. In yes. theaters or when it came out on DVD? We watched or whatever, it, whatever. On demand. We watched it on demand this past Thanksgiving yeah. weekend. Okay. And in Indiana. In Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah. So Home so of Brian Wilson. Because no, no. <laughs> he's from, at least from Los Angeles uh, and Alto or whatever. Yeah. Well, tell, tell me about your experience with that with that picture, the original. Well, I wanted to watch it because I like Brian Wilson. I think I, like I ate some ice cream while we were watching. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really totally yeah, neutral, complete neutral aspect. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I, I really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty great. Um, <laughs> what is going on? Your chair is a WD forty. Is that what it's yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. It's fine. It's all part of the studio recording. Uh, no, I watched it and I, I really liked it yeah. because I really like the story of Brian Wilson. I think it's a good story and I was really excited for it to finally come out. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to go see it in theaters, but it had a pretty short lifespan in Austin. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. didn't catch it. Or there were other movies that were out at the same time. Yeah. Stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, was um, 
Oh, I like the movie too. I didn't get to say that. I liked it. The the original I imagine intercuts between the two, going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it cuts between Paul Dano. What uh, What did you feel like um, was gained or what was lost in the big picture kind of sense watching this version compared to that? Watching this one, Mm -hmm. I like it a lot more. I like the idea of like because. When I was watching the original, like, all I wanted every time they cut to John Cusick, I didn't feel like that part of the story was as exciting. As compelling. As compelling, yeah. And also, like, I didn't really take much interest in that Brian Wilson. Like, I I, 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 I just wanted to hear about making pet sounds. Okay. You, so. in the corner with your hand up, what, what did you think about it? I liked it, too. Um, I, I actually thought that, um, this one, I, I don't know. I agree that I enjoyed the younger story better in the first one. Sorry. It's like really, really loud in my ears. Oh, well. Um, anyway, (laughs) so I, uh, I really liked the original. I liked the younger story is definitely more interesting. I think that one of the problems though with removing the eighties Brian Wilson story is that it, it makes, it's too quick pace Mm. and it's like, I don't know, you need some of those, like the drama the drama in the later story is all about him Reckon being time. no. It's about him like being abused by his manager, basically. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Oh, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul. Well, he was the movie music manager last yeah. year. Yeah, because he was in um, fuck. Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I think just me personally, like I took more interest in the earlier stuff just because that's the record that I like. I like that too. And I mean, I think that this was, this was good and it's fun to watch the movie this way because it's Mm -hmm. definitely the more entertaining part. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's way too quick. And like, there's not a good flow between the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of having the, the 80s Brian Wilson in the original. Like there's definitely when I saw the movie there was definitely things that I thought could have been edited out for sure. In the original one. Yeah, yeah. and it was ninety percent of it was stuff that had to do with the eighties Brian Wilson. Yeah, except that I, I don't know. I think you need to leave. There, there just seems to be more space. There's not enough space between the scenes. Yeah. Um. What do you guys know about that? those uh, recordings did did what you know about those about the early recordings that they did was that accurately reflected as far as you know yeah totally yeah 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 yeah, because that's what's like so interesting about pet sounds like as a record Mm -hmm. and the one thing that i really liked like just kind of getting into the edit because he did something he opened with that phil Spector scene with brian wilson that's not how the film originally that 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 scene isn't in the film Oh, that's a deleted cut. Deleted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a couple deleted scenes that were added. Like, there's also a part when he goes back to the house. The mom is always referenced as not being a part of the family, but right. you never see her. Right. And there's that scene when he's gonna leave the band, like after he has the nervous breakdown. That's a deleted scene too. That is not in the movie. 
the breakdown is? No, he goes back to the house and it's like all of the brothers are talking and like the mom and the dad are on the couch Hmm. and they're discussing like what he's going to do. It's a different version of that scene. Oh, really? It's like an alternate take? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the only scene that I noticed for sure that was like definitely that I hadn't seen was the one he opened with. Okay. Which was like really cool because it's a it's a scene that really puts it into place, like puts the film in reference to where Brian Wilson was trying to go with his sound at that point, yeah. which is what makes Pet Sound so interesting. I'm really surprised that that wasn't in the original because it yeah. feels so right to have it right there at the beginning. Yeah. You have the character, he obviously loves all this other kind of music and yeah. the Phil Spector guy walks by and it's sort of like an idol, a hero, and he approaches him and the guy yeah. kind of... And he brushes him off like other people are going to do to him. Yeah. And he says, you know, I, you know, you do that surf music. Uh-huh. Like, and he kind of, you know, um, uh, talks down to him and kind of degrades what he's doing, which is, a, you know, doubles back on what he's getting from his older brother and the dad character and, yeah. you know, through the execs or whatever. So, like, everything is played out in that scene. He wants to be like Bill Spector, although he didn't quite admit it. Yeah. Uh, he wants that legacy. And that, that well, he just doesn't want to be in a box. It's like yeah. the whole movie, all the theme of what we watched, the, the, the whole entire theme of the movie is laid out in that scene. So I, 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 I'm, it's interesting that you, you locked onto that, and that, I did too, but I had no idea that I was in the position. Yeah, that's, that's not good. different songs too. A little bit. Yeah, but I, I didn't think those were like as heavy, as important. Well, there was like the one drug scene when they were playing the Beatles that was in the original movie. Hmm. Which that was kind of cool because then they're talking about the Beatles. Yeah, they played. Like, there's obviously some thought that went into the edits, which is appreciated. Yeah, he switched up some of the music, and it was good. And the end scene too is different. Yeah, I want to take a little, a little tangent here because you guys are much more uh, knowledgeable of this kind of music and also all you know just music in general like that is a little off the radar off the beat this is the the second rolling stone's second best album of all time i don't think it's off the beat no i hated that part of this i I got i'm looking at 2000 records in your room here that i'm sure (laughs) i couldn't pronounce 90 percent of i don't know like i'm just saying like yeah that one says roger miller you you guys obviously have a knowledge that extends i'm not saying sure sure yeah yeah yeah. far corner yeah i just think i think it's really funny because you have a lot of people who like haven't heard this record still meaning myself yeah sure yeah. sure well sure. that was what inspired us to watch exactly this. like it introduced me to like uh you haven't seen shakespeare like come on I mean, like, yeah know, like, clearly i should have yeah. seen this by now well it's because like the problem with the beach boys is exactly what he was trying to fight against which is where it's like when you hear the beach boys uh, like played on oldies radio it's like the shitty early stuff mm-hmm. it's like the same with the beatles like the the early stuff sucks yeah like it's abbey road's good and rubber soul's good like and i also think that like i don't know the beach boys are interesting and so does brian wilson as well that there's like this weird stigma with them so one of them being exactly what you just said that like when you think of the beach boys and you aren't well versed in their uh discography then i think you think of being in a dentist's office and Mm. you're in the waiting room and Mm -hmm. you're like when the fuck am i gonna get this over with the other side of it is that and this is something that like i've always thought is that brian wilson is insane 
Yeah. Like, everyone knows that, like, story of him locking himself up and, like, peeing in the jars and uh, shit. Slow down. See, I don't know this stuff. Oh, really? It sounds like you just went off here talking about Howard Hughes. I didn't know Ryan Wilson went into this. Went into this yeah, he was, he was a manic, depressive, schizophrenic. Is. Yeah. yeah. He's schizophrenic. Well, and that's what makes this movie, the full version of this movie, interesting. And why I actually think that you would probably really enjoy Mm-hmm. And I would still recommend that you watch the original sure. version yeah. because the second story is about later Cusack and he got this manager and the manager over prescribed him drugs mm-hmm. so that he was just in like a catatonic state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the whole other half of the movie is like just this crazy, crazy abuse of like a manager relationship with this guy and the manager's like clearly like taking the royalty money and just like fucking him over and the movie ends with uh the like a text about how the manager was prosecuted and his later and now current wife helped him to do that yeah which is what I was saying at the end, like that scene that they showed at the end in the credits, that's uh-huh. in the original movie, uh-huh. but it's not as poignant without having that second story because that's his wife yeah. in the oh, scene the on the stage. On stage. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. And so it's like this yeah. big thing because like yeah. their relationship, they were like not allowed to see each other. Right. It was crazy. The manager was a psychopath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like the one thing, like this might be kind of jumping ahead, but like the one thing that I do like about this is that it's more of a complimentary edit and it but it cuts a lot like it cuts a lot of stuff obviously yeah. but it doesn't detract from the original film being cool and it doesn't detract from this also being awesome like it makes both of the movies both of the movies are awesome and stand on their own and both of them need to be watched in their own right because you get a different thing from both sure um, I want to, because I have you guys here, I do want to continue on that tangent. I wanted sure. to ask you guys, because when I was watching this, I started thinking about, this is interesting, you know, we have this cat from, this, this is recorded in the 60s, I imagine. Yeah. And, you know, he's adding some instrumentations, and he's doing some uh, uh, arrangements that are unique and a little unprecedented, getting some, you know, pushback from the studio for doing that. Mm. Um, I remember watching another movie that basically did the same thing. What was it? Um... Um, the guy, he said, oh, oh is this some kind of monster? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the, um, oh, it was Buddy Holly. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. when we watched Buddy Holly, yeah, there's yeah. the same thing where he's adding instruments to him, like, what are you, Bach? You know, yeah, that's yeah. That's from the 50s, I think, in that, in that era. Uh-huh. So there's, there, we've had, you know, in the 50s and 60s, this, this push where he started doing added instrumentations and, and whatnot, but yeah. there seems to be, in my experience, there seems to be some kind of degrade from that, some de-evolution from the music that we listen to that's on the radio, that's the number one hits. We don't see anything, it doesn't seem to be as musically um, elevated as what they were doing back then. Um, this, is a, this is a perception, anyway. And so, before you, before, I, before you get into that, I also think, like, in, if you think about, like, uh, classical music, for example, um, you see like a, a progress in the kinds of music that the composers are writing. Each composer is kind of always building off what came before, what came before. And so uh, like the late romantic artists are employing things that earlier romantic artists employed in their compositions, but the early romantics are still kind of deep in some of the well, late classical. So there is this kind of evolution of how Western music evolves in, in, in that world. 
Sure. Um, but it seems like in pop music, particularly in the last hundred years, there was sort of like this this uh, increase, particularly in the fifties and sixties, like the typified what we see here. But then it seems to be like a reset. Like uh, I don't. Why don't we have like there's it doesn't seem to be like a continual flow. I don't agree with you. Okay. So what am I missing that is that's out there that kind of demonstrates a part of an evolution from something like what we just saw? Well, I think I think part of it is that you're not listening for the right things or that you're not aware of the things that are being implemented to change the sound. So some of which being like in the 80s with the introduction of uh, synthesizers and stuff like that, that has always been, like, you're not making different guitars that sound different. You know what I mean? Like, not a completely different... It's always kind of going to sound the same. Like, you might make a different pedal or something. Mm -hmm. But with synthesizers and any kind of, like, electronic equipment, um, those are new, and there's crazy new shit being done with those all the time. And that stuff is being implemented in music still. Mm. And I think those are the kinds of things that can make... I mean, I, I don't listen to pop music, really. And I don't think that pop music... I think certainly if you were talking about, like, pop music specifically and why there isn't this, like, huge change in it, well, I don't think that that's the right genre. But I definitely think that there are other genres where there are a lot of changes in the music, like in noise music... Um, but this kind of music, the Beach Boys, well, it was like the pop music of its era. Yeah, but it was also it was also completely different because when he was writing this stuff, he was not really writing pop. And the record that came right after it's uh, like Smiley Smile is is isn't. It, I mean, it's weird. It's fucking super weird, and it's not pop. It, he he was getting far out. Like, well, and and also they mention it too in the film that he did that when he did Pet Sounds, it like no one was into it. The only people that really liked it were the people that were like studio musicians or that were composers. Those were the people that appreciated the album. And it wasn't until way later that people were like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. I think there's a couple things at play that can answer your question. A, him y using, uh, like string instrumentation and making his instrumentation more grandiose the at that point in time the beach boys had more money to do that back then costed a shit like cost a shit ton of money mm -hmm. he went way over budget making pet sounds and and i think that his early stuff you would consider that more of like shitty pop and then this as something that's like truly artistic and truly something that he had control over. And you can see him fighting against it in the movie the entire time. And you can see the people that are pushing back on him are pushing back on him because it's it's not good for business to do that. It's not good for business to cancel a session. But it's five decades ago. So sure. The, the success of that has permeated the culture and we all look back and... Apparently enough people look back at Pet Sounds and see, yeah. see for what it is. Sure. Uh, and the later Beatles albums, even though the old stuff is the one that gets played on the radio, there's still the other stuff has permeated as well. Yeah. So I would expect that you would see when that a continuation of that of uh, of that sound of um, I, I mean it's psychedelic music. I mean like you look at modern psychedelia and it all pulls on the Beach Boys. It pulls on. Uh, the Beatles, it pulls on the Rolling Stones. 
the, so there the is reason a, there is a, you're saying that there is there is a thread completely like the way I was evolutionary thread from that, but it's just not the stuff that I'm exposed to on the radio. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay. There, I mean, there's totally there's totally people duplicating the sound and progressing that sound. The way I was introduced to Brian Wilson was I was at a party at this band's house and this guy was in a band and had Brian Wilson posters everywhere was completely obsessed with Brian Wilson and put out like three or four records that just sounded like Beach Boys records huh. like that that's how I was introduced to him so uh, so I mean there are still people idolizing him and, and you know duplicating his music or trying to trying to well, catch that fire that again goes back to why we even were watching this movie is that we were we were meeting up at a coffee shop down the street from our house and we were chit-chatting about whatever and I was just like, oh man, I can't wait for Psychfest because Brian Wilson's going to be there and he's going to be doing cut sounds and it's going to be fucking amazing. And Ethan and I are like geeked as shit about it, but I guarantee that that night of Psychfest is going to be a fucking shit show. There are going to be so many people there just to see that. Yeah. Because yeah. it was even the same thing in, in what I had referenced and actually what we were listening to before we started recording. Ooh. The Zombies, when they played a couple of years ago, it was crazy. There were so many people there that, that night just to see that band. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to watch this. I totally want to grab a ticket see this because it seems like yeah. it's not just somebody playing something it's an event well it's going to be really cool they, they always do a nostalgia act every year and it's always really good yeah, yeah. it's awesome uh, the other thing too like that I kind of wanted to get into when you're talking about like pop music is like he is writing pop to an extent right up until Pet Sounds Pet Sounds is like the perfect mixture of weird and pop and then like Smile the one that he the one that they're talking about that was supposed to be his magnum opus. He, he basically just didn't didn't finish it because no one would let him finish it. Mm. He was doing that in his home studio, so he was going. He was purposely at that point like starting to degrade his sound and getting like a weird like proto home recording sound. Like he's going away from pop music at this time. He's not he's not being formulaic, which would be pop music which is when they're like oh you're not doing the same formula like we have a formula that works you're not doing it right so that was what i was trying to talk about too like there are like pop music does change but it only changes in the instruments that are being used but the sound is always going to be the same it can't be anything that's revolutionary and it particularly can't now because the studios are the ones that are funding the time or whatever and they're just going to pump out shit. Plus, like, 90% of the pop artists today don't even fucking write their own stuff. Or play any instruments at all. Yeah, and there was tons of pop music during this time that people didn't write their own songs. Or, well, Sinatra never, probably never wrote it out either. Yeah, and, and I mean, there was tons of artists that were getting famous off of just covering music. Well, like, the band that the dad brings in, I don't know what that band is, by the way, but that band literally sounds exactly like the Beach Boys. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, in that case, what we're seeing is sort of like a, a carbon copy trying to retread old ground. Yeah. And and even what you're saying, you said there's bands today trying to mimic, you know, what Brian Wilson was doing, but really what you're saying is, you know, continuing in that, uh, in that vein. You know? Sure, yeah. But, you know, just thinking about it now, um, I, I do see things like, um, you know, whether, I mean, it's, Again, I'm confessing my ignorance for a lot of this, but like the Leonard the, the, the Skinner, the Led Zeppelin, the 
Pink Floyd, like that seems to be a rock version of that when you start to get uh, really, it's you know, you're not just doing chorus, ver verse, chorus, verse, chorus, instrumental verse, you knock out the song. Like there seems to be composition there and going for bigger stories and doing things interesting with the music. But it doesn't seem like that is really in the vein anymore where we have, um, continuing even in that from the 70s, it's like, like this, I don't know if it was the 80s or music television or what it was, but there seems to be some kind of reset on a lot of those kind of bigger music themes that... I don't think so. I don't agree. Oh, just, just my bad I just no, think it's... it's just that's not the stuff that you hear on the radio, yeah. you know? And I mean, like, if you aren't looking for, or if you aren't as interested in other genres or seeking out music on your own, it's going to be really difficult to find that. You're just never going to run into that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think with any sort of like musicology, like I don't, I can't think of, I can't think of a style of music that just fell off and no one does it anymore. Like people reference every style of music that's ever existed, and people are making new styles of music that have never existed. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> sorry. I mean, that's the way it works. It's like it's like saying like, uh, the, the, yeah, people just stopped talking and there wasn't language anymore. Like, what was it? Like, Witch House and shit like that? Like, right before we moved down here, there was, like, all the internet stuff. Like, oh, oh, and, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, what was, what is that called? Salem? And, like, yeah. oh, is it Witch House? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, I can't remember the genre. But there's, like, a ton of shit like that. Like, the internet is, like... like Witch House is a genre? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, you're getting into like micro genres now. It's I like, know <laughs> I am, but I'm just using that as a point, though. That like there is stuff on the internet that gets like widely popular on the on the internet. Yeah, it's ripe with its own style of music, and exactly. its own art. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you would never hear that shit on the radio. Yeah, and, yeah like, but you will. I mean, I listen to college radio, and they play it all the time. Right, but that's the exception, though. If you live in like Podunk, Texas, or whatever you're not going to have a college radio station. You're going to have 50 religious channels, 200 country channels, uh, and then, like, one rock channel or whatever. Okay. Uh, well, I guess the thing that it seems really conflicting, and maybe I'm looking at it in a different perspective, is that those songs, I guess not, maybe not so much, but I feel like when we look back in the past, in the 60s and 70s, that those songs that you know that we know about were popular during their heyday. Sure. And whereas what you're describing is like, yeah, that, those, that kind of songs are still going out there, they're still making it. But as long as you have you know a local college station like UT that'll have a that'll play from three to four in the afternoon, like there seems no. to be a it's still there, but the general the. the Populist doesn't seem to consume it. No, 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 no. Well, because like Psych Fest is a huge festival here, and all it is is psychedelic music. And it's like every year that we go, and we've been going since we moved down here, mm -hmm. it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, obviously people are e eating this music up, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, like, how do they access it? It's just like anything else. Like, because I like the Flaming Lips. And I've listened to all of their music. I listened to Stardust because they worked together. Or I listened to whoever opened for them. You know what I mean? Like, you just naturally 
are going to find other shit that's in the same vein and it branches off from there. Well, and I also think, I also, I also think that with music, like you're watching a movie that's reflecting back on one album that was a gigantic album that was like one of uh, the, the best albums of all time. You're looking at that. You're, they're not putting it, completely into context that there's a shit ton of other just shitty music that's coming out at that time. There's that's, plenty of that's shitty why music. I'm wondering if we're on a selective memory. It, no, it totally is because like what happens and the way music works and the way art works is that when you're reflecting back on a certain period unless you're digging it, like you're you're only going to get what was what was has stood the test of time as being like the best shit during that time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like this is the one of the best records that came out of that time. Well, they wouldn't write a movie about <laughs> the, 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 the other the, band that the, the dad the, the did. Top 12, the, the 12th top charter of nineteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, who gives a yeah. fuck? But I mean, this movie also doesn't do a, a phenomenal job of putting it in context to like what was popular music then. And like, granted, it, it is guitar, bass, drums. I mean, they, they have relatively similar setups, like like you, they're, well, there's, there's clear instrumentation here and arrangements that they're doing this for those for the pet shop pet sounds yeah I mean that's because it was a fucking nuts record and that's yeah. what made it a nuts record okay um well uh, I was fishing and I got what I <laughs> I got I pulled what I pulled so <laughs> going from there yeah uh back to the movie back to the movie um okay my uh <laughs> Unless you have more to add. Unless you have more to add. Not really. I mean, I could talk about it forever, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> um, my perception of this movie as a movie standalone, um, this fan edit, is that um, there's... It feels like there's something missing. Like, even though I know that there's the Junkie 6 story, and I know it's cut out, and it's like, yeah. you know, but I, the, the part that feels like it's missing is because... Um, there's, it's, you know, there is this conflict between him and his dad who doesn't trust him as a manager who got yeah. fired or whatever. There is this conflict between the brothers who, um, some are a little more, you know, commercial minded and are wanting to revisit the, the fame that they had with their old surf music, and whereas others are happy to continue on with whatever Brian Wilson wants to do. And uh, and then the conflict, of course, with Brian Wilson himself, it seems to be getting more and more insane as the film progresses. And um, there is never any catharsis for it. His dad dies, okay? Um, the brothers never seem to come back and, you know, reconcile with their, how they're going to continue on with him. And his, uh, and his insanity doesn't seem to be resolved or anything or addressed. Because it wasn't. Well, even if it's not going to, the film, I mean, you can end the movie on the note that this isn't going to get resolved, but even it didn't even quite want to do that. Um, like if you take, for example, the ending of Aviator, where it's him and his, you know, he's doing the show, um, show me the blueprints, show me the blueprints, yeah. you, know, you know, he knows that, that, that it's it, he's just going to continue on. Um, so... The thing that's missing, and I imagine that in the 80s storyline, that a lot of those things do kind of have a thematic result. I imagine that there is some kind of, is there, or you can fill me in with the brothers or his insanity. Yeah, so again, I right at the top of this, I said that there was issues with the pacing, and I think that that's 
the pacing and then also what you're talking about is addressed with the 80s portion yeah because there's significant parallels again the dad dies and that's coinciding with the beginning of the end of the manager so the closure in that aspect is with this father figure of them exactly the brother thing isn't really ever addressed but that's not really addressed because i think this is like if you're going to watch like a music biopic then you probably already are a fan of that musician or a biopic in general you know so i don't i don't know uh see i thought he i thought he ended it really well i kind of like how it was like it didn't feel wholly complete, but I kind of like that. I kind of like how it opened. It ended a little bit, just like on a downbeat, and I, I thought that was good. Yeah, yeah. That that I mean, that's interesting to me, especially when you see the other one, the 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 full version, mm-hmm. and it kind of you know wraps a bow on it yeah. and finishes it out. It, it, that's where I think like these kind of were a little bit complementary, you know, in that aspect because they do. Like you were saying, they do uh, they do rely on the John Cusick like eighty story. Mm-hmm. They do result uh, re- reside on that to uh, use that to to kind of land the film, right? That's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. uh, the 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 plot start that some of the thematic start points happen in the Dano story that I imagine were more resolved in the Cusack story. Yeah. Um, because in this one, they're just not there, and it doesn't seem like, like, they introduce them clearly, like, here's something, here's some conflict for the character, but from a, a movie standpoint, you would think they'd be resolved, and that just never happens. Because they don't, they don't really have resolved during this time, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in the original one, either. Like, yeah. There's... I think something that should be noted, and I guess is really only for Ethan and I to discuss, but if you were to make the movie, if there was another fan edit out there that was just the 80s story, <laughs> that would be horrendous. Oh, really? Yes. Because you wouldn't have the starting points of all these different things? Yeah. No, it's just boring. It's just not as, not as compelling. Like, yeah. the 80s story is good with this one, again, because of pacing issues. Right, and so it's like when it's, when this, although this seems like really quick pace, there are parts where it's kind of lulled, and you get the drama in the 80s story. And so it's like a good, like, roller coaster of ups and downs, but the 80s story on a whole only has, like, two, like, strong, or, like, three strong, like, dramatic points to it that aren't just based off of romance, which is just boring. The scene that seemed to me that should have been, if, if, if I imagine that they were to, you know, approach this movie, the screenplay at the beginning, to say, you know what, we're not going to introduce the 80s story. We, we just want to focus on, you know, the 60s story. Um, I, I imagine that the big climactic scene would be the scene where his dad tells him he sold all the records. Like, he sold the music rights three quarter million dollars or whatever yeah and because everything with the character at that point is coming to a head he's trying to make the music it's not working it's not selling he's had a little bit of fame going backtrack but he still wants to move forward he's in the process of making smile smiley smile what's it called smile. well it was originally called smile and then when right. when the other band took it over changed right. names well then it was re-released and so it's been re-released like 17 right, times right it was Brian Wilson 
And here he is, he, he's, you know, he's down, he's still struggling to get his art out, and then his dad, who is this really, I mean, as a family member, the only person who really should be supporting him, comes in and says, look, I care so little, there, there's so, I have so little hope that this is going to do anything, I went ahead and sold the rights, you know, to somebody else. And Dano's reaction should have been the culminating moment, like, I can't believe you did that, and what do I mean to you for you to throw it? Like, I, I can imagine him exploding, or at least having a thematic... I don't think it works with his character. What I'm saying from a story standpoint, um, that that is the, the tension where everything comes to a head. But I imagine... What, let me ask you this. If, you were, if I were to watch the original... Yeah. You know, the original's probably like close to two hours long, maybe. Yeah. Um... Where in that two hours does that seem? Tacky? Where does he sell the rights? Yeah, can you ballpark that? At all? It's, it's like, towards the end. I mean, I think it's like one twenty. I think I don't is, think it's. Yeah, because this is pretty much told in almost the exact order that it it's in in the movie. There's a couple flippy floppies. So at the end of the movie, you're catching the end of the um, Dano scenes, and you're kind of at the end of the Cusack scene. Right, but there's okay. more of the Cusack going on. By that, by the end of exactly. Yeah. There's a lot more of the Dano in the beginning, and then about halfway, and then it's 90% Cusack with a little bit of the Dano going in. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was something about that. I was looking... <laughs> ...on my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, okay, one of the things that's really dangerous about doing biopic movies uh -huh. is that we're fam we know the person that they're doing the biopic for, they have a number of hits that we're all familiar with, and it's very easy for the screenplay to just kind of be like, here he is as a kid, here he is writing a song that nobody says he should write, and here's his first hit, remember that? Yeah. And here's his second hit, remember that? Yeah. Here's his third hit, and then he died. Uh -huh. Or she died, or whoever it is, you know? Sure. It's really dangerous to kind of fall into that trap. Yeah. Um, this kind of falls into that a little bit. You know, as soon as he starts, okay, we're going to spend 10 minutes watching as he uh, composes. Um, well, it's fan service, too. Yeah, a, a bit is fan service, yeah, because yeah. Uh, you, know, you want to see the behind the scenes stuff. And it's shot almost like a documentary, you uh -huh. know, the handheld inside and you know, film and whatnot. Um, well, uh, what do you guys think about, uh, like, if I were to ask you guys, like, musical biopics, are there any movies that kind of come to mind? Like, that's that's a good one to go by. Like, that, that's a, a top-tier musical biopic. Biopics are... Yeah, there's a lot of documentaries, but I'm like... I really um... like that thing you do. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that a biopic of? No <laughs> one. It's, it's, a a uh, it's a Tom Hanks story in Dumbo. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I can't think of one that I thought... I mean, because I like music documentaries a lot. Yeah, we watch a lot of music documentaries. And I'm, I'm having a difficult time as well. Yeah, I'm racking my brain for one that I really, really like. Yeah. I mean, because some of them, it's like like Ray, whatever, yeah. uh, Walk the Line, whatever. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I think that genre... Uh, did you guys see, by chance, um, the... Uh, Andre 3000, where he played... Uh, no, I haven't oh, seen that one yet. Yeah. So, it's really interesting, because if you read anything about this movie, it's like, man, this movie is shit. They didn't play a single fucking Jimi Hendrix song in the whole thing, and it's a fucking Jimi Hendrix, right? Biopic. 
Yeah. And uh, it's well, apparently there was like problems with getting the rights, so they oh for real music rights, so they couldn't they couldn't get all those old Jimi Hendrix songs, mm-hmm. which they probably would have if they would have gone through all that if they if they could, but they didn't. So <clears throat> as a result, what you get is a story about Jimi Hendrix, but you don't get all of those. Let me let's rehash what it was like when he was recording all along the Watchtower. You know, you don't get yeah. let's hey here he is at Woodstock. And, you know, you don't. You just get this uh, a, a completely different character-driven story of this guy who's going to England in his early, early days trying to find a, a place for himself. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I just thought of two. I just remembered one, oh, too, because yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, I was like, I was like, Buddy I know Holly's there's... Story. Buddy Holly's story was really good. La Bamba yeah. is fucking amazing. Uh, Control was really good. I really like that one. I the one on Ian that. Curtis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one. And then there was that Bob Dylan one that was really good. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who plays Bob Dylan? It's like six different people. Oh, yeah. yeah, or like, I think Kate Blanchett plays it uh-huh. at some point. Yeah, that one was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's yeah. not really a music one, but it, I liked that it was the best, best quet, best cleat. Basquiat. Yeah, yeah, that one was good. Yeah, that's more of an art one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, shit, I forgot about Sid and Nancy, too. Ugh. <laughs> God. It's like Sid Vicious. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I was rolling my eyes. <laughs> I can hear Fuck. you rolling your eyes from here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really like Control. I forgot how much I like that one. I uh, I need to put that in my key. I remember when it yeah. came out, I was like, there was some, there was some interesting uh, hype about it, but yeah. it just fell off my, my queue. Uh, I watched Amadeus uh, again, again yeah, it's on Netflix a couple weeks back, and it was amazing. And it's sort of this thing where it's like a biopic, but not really, so it, it's, a, it's, it's fantastically done. Um, man, that genre is really hard to do right, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard. I'm trying to think of ones I just like completely didn't like, like rolling in my mind ones that didn't. Well, it's not that you know, there's a part of it that makes it so that they're never really bad because they do play to the fan service stuff. You know, yeah. Like that, when that song comes on, you remember, oh yeah, when I was thirteen. I didn't like Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. You're my you're you're minority on opinion on that one though. No, I'm not. The movie. I mean, yeah, I am. That movie, I think that if you took five seconds to think about the movie, yeah. and if you know anything about that actual story, you would be furious about that movie. Okay, that's that's something interesting, because in this case, the Straight Outta Compton is, in a sense, produced by the same people that it's about. Yeah. So there's a lot of, let's, let's not sell this side of the story. Let's yeah, massage yeah. this yeah. side. Yeah, a really great apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked the movie, but I didn't know all of the other stuff, so I wasn't blinded. Uh, that didn't affect my particular, uh, my, my experience with it. We also saw, like, opening night, I think, too, and it was, like, the shittiest people oh, I have ever crowd. seen a fucking movie with in my life. Drop house? Yes. Yeah. Really? Because it's just all assholes coming out of the woodwork because they want to fucking hear... Songs. They would hear Snoop and. and uh, oh my god, it drove me insane. The crowd was terrible. Mm. Um, fuck well, that movie. Well, okay, yeah. So fuck, Straight Outta Compton is overrated, um, but this one is probably a little underrated. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that this one didn't get a lot. It needed a little more love. Yeah, yeah, mercy. yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was because I was I kind of went into it reluctantly after I didn't hear a lot about it. And then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love this!" Like, I love the way Paul, da- like Paul Dano, is so good in it. Like his his uh, 
Like, the way he carries himself is hilarious. Like, his arms are always, like, really good. Because they're, like, always, like, stiff. And, like, he's, like, totally fat, but, like, doesn't care. And it's amazing. Yeah, there's this yeah. strange confidence with him. Like, you shouldn't be confident in that. Yeah, and he's always without a shirt on and just, like, totally lets it hang out and, like, yeah. doesn't draw any sort of... Like, he doesn't draw attention to it, but it's hilarious. I ha- I'm so mixed on, honestly, Paul Barron, like, in general, like, as an actor, because there's there's one sense like this, when you see this, you're just like, man, there's a lot of gears working here in order yeah. to get this kind of whatever's going on. Sure. And then I, every single time I can't, and it's it's not fair, it's just yeah. not fair to compare him to Daniel Day-Lewis, but, you know, There Will Be Blood being one of my yeah. favorite movies. Like, He's so good in that, though. Not compared to Daniel Day Lewis, but then again, nobody's good compared to Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, I think, I mean, like, who can you, who can you, like, like, who, like, like, who would they have put, who would they, who would they have put in his spot and there will be, but like, Shia LaBeouf, like, like, who are you going to put, do it! Like, who are you going to put in, in Paul Dano's spot and there will be blood and who would be able to hold that up? And, like, the way he holds up that role is fucking amazing. He's killer. He, I think... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, there... It, perhaps it's appropriate for the role, but there is there's a fakeness to him. And he is, you know, he is, in a sense, a, a manipulator and a liar and a cheat and all those other things, so maybe that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, but when you see Daniel Day-Lewis, you're like, motherfucker, that is Daniel playing you. Yeah. You know? Sure. And uh, and this other guy seems like he's trying to be on par with that. Huh. Um, I, I don't begrudge it. I really don't. Like it's huh. making me sound like, oh man, this you know shitty actor came in. Yeah. No, but it's like comparing the two. I, this is one of the things I think. Like Paul Dano, ten years from now, you he probably looks back on that performance and go, I wish I had another chance to do that. Huh. You know. I mean, he was also I, young too. Yeah, yeah, he's younger. I think. Because uh, he's going to be in the next, I don't know if y'all even know who this is, but the Boom, Boom Ho Joe or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. he's some like Thai director, but he's in his next movie, um, which is coming out in the next couple of years, and that right. I think will be a good like, like a line. New bar. Yeah, see where he is, where he's going to be. Yeah, because that guy is crazy, and his yeah. movies are nuts, so yeah. it should be interesting. He's not the, um, you don't talk about the director of Old Boy. No. Okay. Uh, Sorry. We have a chair that is doing. Shouldn't stuff. be sad. In. Uh, he. Oh, I like him so much in this movie, I and I can't that. believe that you can't separate him from that character. That's really funny. Uh, from. From his character in uh, "There Will Be Blood." No, no, no. What I'm saying is that his. Um, uh, I have when I see him in, in movies, and even in this one. Like, I, the gears are working, right? But I feel like I can see the gears working. No way. Yeah. I feel no. like I can see You gotta gears. watch, you gotta watch, like, old Brian Wilson stuff from this period, yeah, too. Because, yeah. like, it's it's totally, like, like the casting was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. 
like uh, the guy who plays, uh, I think it's Mike Love is his name, the the guy, the, the, the other beach boy with the beard that's always wearing the hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they look perfect. Yeah. And they, they act very similar. And it's like, the, the casting was really killer. Yeah. And I thought it was really good casting Paul Dan. Like, like uh, John Cusack as him is a little bit more like, yeah, it's not as on point. Yeah, well, Cusack is... And he has that movie star quality where he's yeah. kind of himself in each movie, and so he just gets a Cusack version of whatever he's doing. Can yeah. I correct what I just said real quick? Uh, sure. What's up? So the guy's name, the director that I was talking about, I mix him up with another guy, but it's um, uh, Junho Bong is his name. It's the guy that did The Host and uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, Snowpiercer, okay. Yeah, Mother, okay. all that shit. So that's... That's the next movie. That that, be well, I think there's a couple others, but that movie should be. I still. I mean, I stand by what I said. I think that that's going to be like a really interesting and probably, you know, if he does well in that, then a good point for him to yeah, go forward. Yeah. But should be interesting. Uh, um, going back to uh, this fan edit um, from a technical side, uh, taking to your cinema, he's done a lot of edits. He is uh, highly regarded in the community. Um, I. I I think I've seen a handful of them, and they've all been technically, you know, uh, great. Yeah, this is like quality-wise. This is one of the best ones we've watched. Yeah, um, I think I know. There, I didn't notice any audio uh, clips or blumps. No, or in the in the in anything. the music that he added in because he yeah, added in totally some stuff. Seamless. It was seamless, and it was like really good quality. Like, yeah, he 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 picked it well, and all the like sounds that he added in were, were sounded good and didn't degrade in quality or any sort of thing yeah like and, and there's, there's a there's a little bit of a test there's there's a there's a praise that needs to be going there because obviously in the original a lot of these scenes would be cutting directly to what was going on with the Cusack story yeah so uh, there's going to be a lot of audio issues with those kind of bridge over there's going to be a lot of bridge audio from one to the next and sure we had to modify and clip and cut and replace and change in order to get sure those two scenes cutting to one another without any uh, any kind of a uh-huh. noticeable blurbs or whatever and this yeah, is a all, all of the edits are pretty seamless both like auditory and visually yeah, yeah. there was one fade to black which made me question whether or not that was in the original but it, it was so well done that I was, part of me was like I bet that was in the original I know it when you're talking about it it was uh, it was in the original yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know I read one that he I was reading on his cut list that yeah. one one he did a fade to black that he added in, but I don't, I don't remember which one it is oh, so really I don't know for sure that's the thing is it's done so well it, it feels like it that would have been intentional by the studio. I, I have yeah. a, as a fan editor, you look as soon as one of those edits start to come in, your mind goes, I think that I think the editor put that in there. Yeah, because yeah. you know you can. Well, there were for sure some mm-hmm. fade to black so in the original version. So I don't know. Yeah. Even a, a nice little touch that he did is on the opening credits when he puts his name as a fan editor by and the fanedit.org tag is that it's yeah. in the same credits. It animates. It's in the same font and color as the other yeah. text oh. that pops up beforehand. There was something that I wasn't crazy about, and you just reminded me of it. Uh, well, the, the, the very, very, very last thing. No, the um, opening. The He did a really great job on the opening. He also removed 
John Cusack, Paul Giamatti, that's right. That's right. I bet that whole sequence had a bunch of intercut stuff with Cusack. But I did not like the Columbia, the old school Columbia. What? No, I thought that was cool. No, that was sweet. It didn't match. He changed the title card for the studio. Yeah, the Columbia studio. It's an old one, and it doesn't match the quality of the film, and that really bothered me. Oh, uh, no, I love it. It's I great. I did not like that. Totally great. You mean the exterior shot? Of no, the, the actual no, title it card. it like, Columbia Pictures, and it has the old lady. I think uh, if you look it up, he has it listed as one of his edits, but that, like, really pissed me off. Yeah, he pulled the one from... I Easy got it right Rider. here. Easy Rider. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a vintage, it's a vintage uh, but title But the quality card. is different, and it like really uh, rubbed me the wrong way, like going right into it. Interesting. Oh, but it everything sweet. else was great. I really liked that. Well, he probably picked something that came out in the same year about when the story took place. Easy Rider, yeah. But did that movie come out? 69. Is that the, when they were recording Pet Sounds? Yeah, Pet well, the, like it's Pet Sounds was like 65, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's kind of insane. I it's in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting that you... you you don't have this weird thing where, like, you know, she picks up on a flicker on the screen and is like, Can you believe it? This entire experience is ruined. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was sweet. No, I love when people do that. I love when people do that because it reminds me of, like, like how the Draft House does it with the, um, like, they're, uh, not, they're like, now playings yeah. and... Oh, yeah, like, when you can yeah like the old like the old like now playing and the old like feature presentation like titles yeah yeah. that's fine but the difference is that that is done digitally and so it digitally looks shitty the problem is that that is not the same quality of film and so that transition transition it it really bothers me I liked it I liked it I like it too it's cool it's just if you could have gotten a better there's Blu-ray quality films that have that same fucking intro. He took it from the Blu-ray. Well, I don't know, man. Sorry, it pissed me off. I I was so completely neutral on that. It didn't didn't move my needle one way or the other. I liked it. I I liked what he did with the opening. I thought it was great. Uh, The film does end with a bit of of text. Four pages of text for us to read to kind of catch catch ourselves up on. Which the original one does too. The original has text also, but the original one gives more... It catches you up to date. Yeah. And it's not... It doesn't doesn't basically write through the 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 Cusack story. Well, the yeah, in the original, it's like by the way, like these two did end up getting together, and also he is able to he has real doctors to come and look at mm-hmm. him, and they did file a lawsuit against this guy. So it's like, oh, cool, there was like resolution in this in reality with this guy because that guy yeah. is like such a dick Paul yeah. Giamatti yeah. and in this version it's just like by the way Pet Sounds is an amazing record also other people think it's a great record yeah. uh, so fuck but you if you don't like it the last little tag no it wasn't it was the tag that he put at the end the very very last line is something uh, like and it's better than something well he's better. talking about he's talking about Smile he's talking he's talking about Smile finally got its release Smile finally got its it's Brian Wilson release. I mean, it's been, it's gotten shit tons of releases of like shit, shit tons of different versions and fan versions. And it, it, it well, and he talks about that in the dialogue. He talks about it in the dialogue, but then when, cause it's like, 
and uh, and Brian Re- Brian Wilson finally re- uh, releases like Smile his way, yeah. and then it's like, and it's better than Sergeant Pepper. Don't put that. Yeah, yeah. That, that little judgment. <laughs> a little odd. I don't know. I don't think it was on the original. Yeah, I think <laughs> you would remember it if it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would. None remember. of that was in the original. All some of of, some of it was. No. Yes. I think. Well, the, no. The, the original may have ended with some lines of text, but maybe not those lines of text. No, it didn't end with that line of it. It did end with text. That confirmed. It ended with text. Okay. It did not end with that text. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. font was fucking hideous. I think it was Whoa. the same font from the beginning in the opening credits. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> see, that was flipping out. I can't believe you've seen the serif on this font. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Well, it's like, does he have eyes? He's yeah. obviously blind. Why are you using Comic Sans to tell <laughs> me what's <laughs> better than fucking Sergeant Pepper? <laughs> like, go fuck Sans. yourself. Oh, God. I'm it's... sorry. Take me to your cinema. I really love this. Except you know? the fucking Except the end. I, just, I didn't like the bookends, you know? Yeah. I didn't like the opening thing, and I didn't like the ending thing. Well, it's like funny, like, you when you say you didn't like the opening in the beginning, you're literally talking about... Like, five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's five seconds in this movie that are deplorable. I have praised this movie and this edit a lot, yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, Sergeant Pepper is really good. Like... <laughs> you want to take issue, like, you actually want to do the comparison between them. Well, it's just, like, also, like, it's like, I don't care what you think about Sergeant Pepper, this being better or that being better. Yeah. Well, then who the fuck are you? I don't even know you and what your musical taste is. You could be, like, Beza over here fucking loves sane anger. Like, <laughs> fuck, man. Yeah, I'm gonna live with that for a while. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just uh, like, uh, keep it, keep it, uh, keep it objective. Don't You're add your. Like, just do facts. I don't care for saying. You, you really like saying I like the documentary name about it. Some kind of monster, uh, <laughs> master, master. Uh, let's get a trash can and beat on it for. Sound. Did you see that he posted that video on Facebook no, too about that stupid? Trash can replacement. Uh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Just don't add that at the end. Take that. Don't do a fan edit. Is that it? Just change those last two. I want no. I want a fan edit of. I want a fan edit of just the John Cusack stuff to see if someone can see, do it. That's yeah. what see I'm saying. Works. I, I yeah. guarantee though that if you watch that story on its own, you would be pissed. Uh, it well, would suck. I'm gonna say it doesn't stand up. Yeah. Because like. I'm, I, don't, I don't know because like when you see him, like he could be anybody, like it, yeah. it, like as the only the only way you know John Cusick is Brian Wilson is because, because of in release in relation to the other story. Yeah, like you don't know that it's him, and like I don't think any. I mean, like no one listened to him then. Like yeah. no one listened to like eighties Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. I don't even know if he put out stuff then. I didn't listen to it. But, yeah, don't have... You know what's probably going to come out soon, though? A David Bowie biopic. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. There's going to be, like, It's got to be happening in the next couple of years. Somebody's writing this shit right now. Like, how many... There's been, like, 40 Steve Job movies made in, like, the years since he died. The one with Michael Fassbender was really good. You didn't like the one with Kutch? I didn't see it, but I like the one with Michael Fassbender. Someone should cut to together the Ashton Kutcher <laughs> and, and fan of them together. Just pretend like they're the same, same actor. actor. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, that would be killer. I'd love yeah. that. Uh, no, someone should take all of that 70s show and turn it him somehow into... Somehow he goes from a, that to a tech giant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be funny. I'm like trying to think of who would be a good David Bowie. You probably, you probably, it probably would have to be like the Bob Dylan thing where you have like multiple people playing him for each of his personas. Just, From what I understand, just, Lady Gaga killed it in her tribute at the Grammys. Yeah. Oh. Did you I all didn't see the, um, the, uh, the... Sp- Thing that's here, but the, the, the relaunch of the Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man. No. Oh, the second it came out. This. That's bullshit. You didn't see it. The guy who plays. Okay, well, the guy. Andrew. Who, the new whatever. Osborne. No, the guy who plays the Osborne. Uh, is I think would be a good David Bowie. Huh. Right. Yeah, I don't know. You're probably right. I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. There's, right the, now. there's people at home freaking out. Like, yes, that's who I had in my head. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm like racking my brain for like who would be a good Bowie. Ed but... Norton. No. 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 Jeff Davis. What? Yeah. No. Killer Bowie. Uh, who else? DiCaprio. No. Uh, he's got too fat of a I face. Just wish that he would fall off the face of the earth. Oh my god. Yeah. I cannot stand him. Just put Fassbender in there. He's a fucking yeah, chameleon. He, he, he peaked as a child. That is not fair. You know who might be good? Sam Rockwell. Dude, that guy's amazing. He is a chameleon. Yeah. Paul Dano. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just keep him doing oh biopics. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great if like every biopic was Paul Dano. <laughs> like Paul Dano as Mick Jagger. Paul Dano as Bruce Springsteen. I want to see that fiction story that's set place in 2040 and Paul Dano has played every biopic for the last 30 years. What if you've been so a fan good. of this movie and instead you just removed everything that made it sound like it was Brian Wilson and you and just... just changed all the music <laughs> yes. and it's like Spike St. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can do that. Someone get on that. Uh, like, David Bowie, I'm your dad. This music doesn't make any sense. I am still, like, rolling over my head like Paul Dano as Bruce Springsteen in a Bruce Springsteen biopic. Oh, that'd be so good. That'd be weird. We need a Springsteen biopic. When are we get the Springsteen pick? Two, six months after he dies. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll definitely get it in the our lifetime. The guy's never going to die. No, he, he's, yeah, he's like the David Bowie of the working class yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the non-era like Arist- aristotic uh david bowie yeah. it's like so crazy that david bowie's dead though and the rolling stones are still, still alive. alive like how is that right, even yeah. fucking possible <laughs> because they're they, amazing they get they got so many diseases inside their bodies it's fighting yeah the it's like the simpsons yeah. it's like mr burns yeah exactly Golly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's gonna live for he's gonna live forever. Uh, cursed next week. He, Keith Richards dies. Uh, no, he sounds like he's doing well. I hear he's doing good. So, oh, from your sources? Or yeah, from, from my sources. Okay. Uh, yeah, we 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 email. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Man, I wonder. You know, Bezo, you guys could probably get some. Real I can introduce him to Hal Oh really? <laughs> we can make that triangle happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hal Hopper plays Keith Richards in the Keith Richards biopic. Yeah, wow. I think, I think he is. I think he died. <laughs> I, think I don't Hal think Hopper so. Died. Really? Yeah, did. Okay, wait. You want to do a little Google search? Yeah. You want to dig a bat? 50 cents? 50 cents? I heard he's broke. I'm only <laughs> in it for big money. Hal Holbrook. 71. Oh, wait. Okay, we'll do a bet on... 
They're going to do an over-under on his age. Yeah. Okay, when did he die? Oh, he did die? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. No, he, he didn't die. Oh, get it right. How old is he? His people. Uh, is it, you, you, you 71. Guys. Okay. Uh, 80. No, you both lose. Oh, he's ninety-one. Oh. Wow, he's well, so you're old. Good. You're closer. You met a ninety-one-year-old guy. I brushed. Did he by smell his like? <laughs> yeah, the, the same, the same and the dust body. bowl fell off of him. <laughs> <laughs> he still had his I vote for I vote for article sticker on. Oh, it. really? Yeah. That's great. Okay, so let's uh, let's wrap it up. Okay, so uh, take me to your cinema. A great fan editor. Fantastic. Yeah, he's done a fan edit of uh, Love and Mercy. Uh, it's really good, and um, you should uh, if you're a fan of the Brian Wilson guy. Uh, this is a, a good compliment to the uh, the original Love and Mercy, and uh, solid solid movie. Yeah, I like it because it's a compliment, and it's not. He's not trying to. He's not, like, you always say, like, oh, would this replace the DVD, yeah. the disc? And it's like, no, you just own both. Yeah. So it works. Yeah, take, take it, uh, put this next to the, the original. I'd like yeah. to see the Crazy Ranger 69 fan edit of the Mysterious <laughs> Hall Edition. <laughs> That'd be sick. Right. Love and Mercy, Scary Hall Edition. <laughs> That'd be so sick. Yeah, yeah. Ranger, right. Ranger Chris, if you're listening, do it. Alright, thank you guys for uh, coming into, letting me come into your house to record this. Sure. And uh, Thanks for interrupting that interview we were doing earlier. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll do uh, we'll have more in the pipeline. So thanks again, guys. Thanks for putting it up. Thanks for everything. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for the good vibration. Check the pipeline. Sunny down snuff, I'm all